0: Well, this took place about three and a half years ago, what you see here on the screen at the One Project. And this is a a quote, I wanna make sure I get it right. It says, I've done something naughty. I've mixed three 1,000 piece puzzles all together in this mixing bowl. Now you know that's not a good idea, especially if there's 1,000 pieces each. He says, now imagine for me, the piece I now hold in my hand is part of the image we want to create. And that is the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Please hear me, he says. It has a particular shape. It has a unique contribution. It has a special gift that it must give the image of Jesus. So that's what this puzzle is trying to put together, an image of Jesus. And then he says this, but it, referring to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is only one piece. Now, I know this individual. He's a very talented guy, very nice guy. I like him. But I have a problem with this statement. This idea that the Seventh-day Adventist church is great, we have a contribution, but we're just one piece of this picture of who Jesus is. That would stand to mean, then, that if I really want to get a full and complete picture of Jesus, what must I do? I must go to all these other denominations and see what they have to say and see what they have to offer and bring to the table, I need to gather their piece and put it into the puzzle so I have a complete, not an incomplete, because who likes an incomplete puzzle, right? I bet it's you, Mario, that sneaks the last piece in your pocket. Where is it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is a puzzle that we have at home. I didn't mix three together. This is just one puzzle of a 1,000 pieces. And this is a pretty small piece. Maybe I should get a brighter one. This is a pretty small piece. How do you feel, church? This is you. You're one piece, but we need to get not just a 1,000, but 3,000 more pieces, or 2,999. You get the idea. And put them all together so we can have a complete picture of who Jesus is. I have a problem with that. He goes on, and uh, it's not just his way of thinking, it's others too, because when he continued, he said, you see, God has never given the totality of his image to just one gender, or just one skin color, or just one ethnicity, and by that point, everybody is starting to applause and be all excited, or to just one historical time period, or just one group of people, or to just one movement, or to just one church. For he knew that if one group decided that they represented the totality of the image of God, it would be easy to become arrogant and assume that we have it all. Now this was three and a half years ago. Maybe this individual has changed their mind. I don't think that's the case because just this last fall he preached a sermon and it was still this same idea. We are but one piece in the puzzle of the image of who Jesus is. I don't know, where should we go tomorrow and find another piece? And how much of an image do you get from just one piece? Could I give you one piece of a thousand piece puzzle and you could tell me what it is? No way! I have no clue what it is! And so it sends us out searching to gather pieces from everywhere else. The question, is it wrong to say that Seventh-day Adventist church is the remnant church of Bible prophecy? Is that wrong to say? Is that arrogant to say? I don't believe that it is because I didn't say it. God said it in his word. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't your idea. So we're continuing this series. Why am I a Seventh-day Adventist? If we are just one piece of the puzzle, then it really doesn't matter. You just pick any piece. All roads lead to the same place is what it sounds like to me. So it's a five-part series. The first one we've already done, does the truth really matter? We looked at quotes like this. Scripture is not truth. Jesus is truth. Scripture merely speaks of him. There's a difference, and he shall be revealed in many odd and interesting places. Are there greater revelations in Scripture? Yes, Jesus for one, the Holy Spirit, now for another, Scripture is our guide to the Spirit. And we talked about the danger of that idea. How when it just becomes my feelings, my emotions, and all these other things, the Scripture is a guide. But after that I launch off, and it doesn't matter what Scripture says because the Spirit is telling me something else. We looked at verses like, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. He just said it wasn't truth. But the Bible says your word is truth. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We looked at this verse, he was clothed with a robe. This is a description of Jesus if you read it in its entire context, dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Last week we talked about isn't loving Jesus enough? I don't mind this idea of Jesus all as long as we take all that Jesus has to say. But if we're only going to listen about Jesus, but I don't want to hear about doctrine or the teachings of Jesus, that's a problem. And we talked about that last time. We looked at the five S's of Adventism, the second coming, the sanctuary, the spirit of prophecy, the state of the dead, the Sabbath, all safeguards that God has given to us because he loves us that I believe is truth, and it's a safeguard in these last days that we need to treasure. We talked about how the second coming gives me hope, how the sanctuary gives me a complete picture of salvation, doesn't leave me out in the courtyard, how the spirit of prophecy grounds me in God's word, and we'll talk more about that in a few weeks, how the state of the dead quiets the deceiving voices. I mean, if you don't have a correct understanding of the state of the dead, it's like Pandora's box. Opens up. And then we looked at how through the Sabbath I receive the seal of God. Now, the Sabbath is a lot of things, and you hear various Adventist preachers talk about aspects of those things, but I never hear them or rarely hear them talk about the Sabbath as a seal of God. There is more to it than simply one day off during the week, it is a sign between God and his people. that was last time. In today's piece, what makes you so special? What makes you so special? And in a few weeks, what makes the devil angry and what's wrong with being a cultural Adventist? We'll get to those. But what makes you so special? Sounds kind of arrogant. Is it wrong to say the Seventh-day Adventist church is the remnant church of Bible prophecy? Some do do not like to hear those words. Remnant. We don't like that. They claim that we, uh, to claim that we're the remnant church, some preachers are saying, even within the Adventist church, it is dysfunctional, it's abusive, it limits God, and it's arrogant. And they build that on the assumption that you must be a Seventh-day Adventist to be saved. Now, we've never taught that as a church. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But I do think that God has given us the truth that he has given us as a safeguard. Don't you think? Revelation 12, 17. Again, this idea of the remnant, not my idea, nor is it yours. It's God's idea. And the dragon, or the devil, was wroth with the woman, the true church, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Now let's pause right there. What's a remnant? If you get a suit, guys, sometimes you have some of the cloth in your pocket, and you wonder, what am I supposed to do with this? And the idea is if there's something that goes wrong, you can take out a patch and you can put that patch back in. It's amazing what they can do. Of course, they want to charge you an arm and a leg for it. But that's a remnant. There are some suits out there. You're never going to find the fabric to that again. Don't worry. We've given you a remnant. These violets up here in the corner. I remember as a kid, we went to somebody's house that was a relative and They picked off, they told us that these violets were from my great-grandma Gladys or somebody. I don't even remember. I'd have to ask my dad. And he was like, oh, wow, those were really hers. Well, yeah, they were pieces of hers. And so he took off just one leaf. Has anybody ever done this? You pinch off a leaf, you stick it in water, it starts to root. Eventually, you have your own violet. That's a remnant. A living piece of the original. And there's other plants you can do that with, too. This bottom one is wallpaper. They say it's coming back. If you put a hole in the wall, and you have a remnant, you might be okay. But if it's 10 years later, you're gonna be stuck. So this idea of remnant means a part of the original, right? Out of the same cloth, out of the same plant, it's a remnant. And so the Bible says the dragon was wroth with the woman, God's true church, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which have two characteristics. They keep the commandments of God, does it say 9 out of 10? In, in your translations, does anybody have that? No? Okay. They keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Now, we looked at this before. The characters of God's last day people keep the commandments of God, have the testimony of Jesus. And Revelation 19, 10 says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, if you're one of those that says, you know, I like the Adventist message, but this spirit of prophecy, I just have bones to pick with that, come in two weeks when we're going to talk about it. Because God gave us that gift as well. We're not to lack as a church in any gift. And if we don't have the spirit of prophecy, we don't fit these two characteristics. And if we don't fit these two characteristics, we're still waiting. See, and it just, it it tumbles, right? We're still waiting for the last church to be raised up. And we're obviously not on the the edge of of God coming and all kinds of things. So come in, in two weeks if that's an issue that you have. But uh, you might think I'm I'm leaving this subject, but just hang on, bear with me for a second. Has anybody played this game called Guess Who? It's a very simple game. If we can zoom in, you have two boards there, and you sit across from each other so you can't peek at the faces, and so looking at one board, there's a, a board, and what you do is you ask questions that can be answered with yes or no. And depending on what they say, you can cancel out different faces, are you with me? So I might look at that board, and first of all, I'd put down, you know, Bill is the one right up here in the front, I'd put Bill down because I know that they don't have the same card, there's only one in each of the sets. So i put Bill down, and I'd look, and I'd see, and I'd say, is your person a woman? No. And then it's their turn. Does your person have brown hair? Ah, they're an amateur. Because if they're really good, they'll say, dark hair. It puts two questions together. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, yes. And so then they go, you know, it has dark hair, so they put down all the the yellow and the orange and (laughs) and and the black or whatever it might be, and you try and narrow it down before the other person does so you can say, I know who you are. God in his wisdom in terms of all these various denominations, you go to the phone book. There's so many denominations, so many variables. Which is the true church? And God gives it to us right there, the remnant at the end of time. Have those two characteristics. And we just went over them, right? Um, I didn't list them again. They keep the commandments of God, okay? All ten. <laughs> Now I'm down to like maybe two or three. And they have the testimony of Jesus or the spirit of prophecy. Tick, tick. I know which one it is. God did that. I didn't come up with that. He did. And he raised up this denomination, if you will, to spread the truth. And so it's not that we're better or smarter or anything else. So let's look at this. What makes the remnant church of the Bible, what makes us the remnant church of Bible prophecy? And maybe you already picked up on that, but is it it because as a people we are nicer? I hate to say it, I've been to some churches that have been nicer. Maybe not than this church, but I've been to some pretty mean Adventist churches. Is it because we're larger? Is it because we're smarter? Oh, it's because we're better looking. No. Do we have nicer churches, nicer facilities? Pray not. Are we more committed? Or do we alone have the smile of God? No, it's none of those things. Then what is it? If you brought your Bibles, I want you to open them. PowerPoint is great, but I want you to look at some of these. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6. Through 8, as God talks to some of his earlier remnant people, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Well, that's just arrogant, is it? A special people of all the people on the face of the earth? The Lord did not set you his love on, on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. Sorry about that, guys. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage. Almost sounds like the church in the dark ages, doesn't it? From the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So it's not because you're the greatest in number. But it's because I've chosen you. Above all people of the earth. Let's look right across the page, maybe in your Bible. Deuteronomy 8, chapter 2 and 3. And there we read, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. To humble you and test you. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments. Or not. So, commandment seems to be key. So, he humbled you, allowing you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by what? Every word, Every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So, you went through this experience to humble you to see that you're dependent upon God's word. We're going to come back to that. We're going to see that come up again. Turn another page, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 9, 6 and 7. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are, what's it say in your translation? Stiff-necked people. Ouch! So much for arrogance. Arrogance. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been a rebellious against the Lord. So, obviously, it's not that we're smarter or that we're better looking or that we're larger in number, but because I have chosen you, I've restored the Ten Commandments in you, the truth in you. There's a difference. So unless you're thinking of getting high and mighty because you are a Seventh-day Adventist, maybe just don't. Let's look at one more now in the New Testament. Romans. Give you a little more time to get there. Romans chapter 3. And this lays it out, I think, quite plainly. What sets apart God's remnant people? If we look at Romans chapter 1 and you read it in its entirety... It says that, uh, let's see, Gentiles um, are in trouble. If you look in Romans chapter 2, the Jews are in trouble. Both of them are sinners, both are in need of Christ. And so then we land in chapter 3, and we see here, Paul says in verse 1 What advantage then has the Jew? I mean, if the Jew is equally in trouble as the Gentile is in trouble, what advantage is there to be a Jew? We could say, or Seventh-day Adventist. What is the profit of circumcision? And he says in verse 2, much in every way, chiefly. You could say primarily. You could say most importantly. Because to them were committed the oracles, the sayings, if you will, the scriptures of God. That's it. What makes the remnant church so special? It's not you, and it's not me. It's God's word. And he has restored his word here in the Seventh-day Adventist church. As we have, in fact, taken pieces from various denominations, we say, you know, that's truth. The Sabbath is truth. Baptism by immersion is truth. That idea of stay of the dead is truth. And they have gathered all of these together in the Seventh-day Adventist church to give, I believe, the most full and complete picture of Jesus that we have. And that's why he calls us his remnant. Keep the commandments of God. Have the testimony of Jesus. Spirit of prophecy. Here's another one: Isaiah ten twenty. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. The remnant will depend on truth. That's the bottom line. So. Is it because we as a people are better, more committed, have the smile of God? Not at all. It's because of truth. There's something about truth that rings true. And we like to think, oh, this is new truth or old truth. No, truth has always been. You might have discovered something that, you, that was true, but truth has always been. God has always been. If I don't have to be an Adventist, this is another question that people ask. If I don't ha- have to be an Adventist to be saved, why be one? I ha- heard an Adventist pastor preach on this for some time. And it, he took about 15 minutes to say, you don't. Which if I'm questioning Adventism, I'm going to say, great. I'll go find another church that has nicer facility. If I'm a single male, maybe they have cuter girls. Whatever it is, I'll just find Whatever. I mean, if all these roads lead to heaven, now don't misunderstand me. I believe that God has his people in all denominations and we're going to get there. But if we believe that the Seventh-day Adventist church is built on truth, why do you ever want to go back to darkness? You do all this research on this vehicle that you're going to buy and you find out, well, this one's not as safe, this one turns over too much, this one, this one, this one, and finally you arrive. Now, this, finally somebody's made a vehicle that I, I can invest in. Somebody comes along and says, well, why don't you throw out that study and that study and that study and buy that one that just, you know, rolls over all the time. Who's going to do that and go backwards? Here's another verse that comes to my mind, Revelation 18, 2. Remember, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says, Babylon, the great, is fallen, is fallen, for all the nations have drunk of the wine, that intoxication, if you will, of the wrath of her, the, the church, the apostate church, They've all drunk drunken the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. So obviously there's an apostate church and there's a true church. And it says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. What does it say? For my people. My people. Now, if it's going to say my people, obviously God's people are in the Baptist denomination, they're in the Methodist denomination, they're in the Catholic denomination, they might be Buddhists or Hindus or whatever they might be, and they're still His people. But a time is coming and is now when God is calling them out into greater truth and greater understanding. Sadly, we also know that many that are here are not settled. And as they're coming in, they will be going out. But if it didn't matter, if any church led to the same place, if there's no such thing as truth, if truth really isn't there to safeguard us, to protect us, then why is God calling his people out? And if there isn't a remnant church, what is he calling them into? Just out? That's a terrible church, so just come out. Where am I going to go? Go hide under the interstate somewhere in that gully. Lest you share in her sins. Come out, my people. Lest you share in her sins Unless you receive of her plagues. God doesn't want us to receive of that. We don't need to receive of that. He's given us his word so we can avoid all of that. Great Controversy 383 says, According to the scripture, many of God's people must still be in where? Babylon. Babylon. And in what religious bodies are the greater part of the followers of Christ now to be found? Let's keep going. Without a doubt, in the various churches professing the Protestant faith. So you be friends with your Baptists and your Methodists and everybody else, and you don't go tell them you're wrong, but you, you gain their confidence, you minister to them in every way that you can, you're just friendly, you're nice. And then, when the opportunity is made available, when the Holy Spirit makes an opportunity available and they come asking you for questions, you share. Because He has His people everywhere. But John 8 32, and and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Especially if we feel like we're on the cusp of eternity, it's especially important for us to know the truth, that's our safeguard. It's true, if I fall asleep in the Baptist denomination today, and I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it may not matter as much for me. But if I am going to live through that period of time, you better believe it's gonna matter. And everybody living is going to have to make a choice. And if you wait to make that choice, it'll be that much harder. 1 Peter 2.9 that Matthew read to us. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may, what is the purpose of this special people? Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about him, and it's about the truth. And our job is to reflect everybody to him and the truth. Testimonies to Ministers, page 58. God has a distinct people, a church on earth, second to none, but superior to all in their good looks. Is that what it says? Their faculties to teach the truth, to vindicate the law of God. That's why he's raised up our church. So what's the mission of this remnant? Are we just another denomination just another one to list in the phone book? Is our church just another option, if you will? Did God intend for us to be just another ism, like Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, Methodism, Pentecostalism, you get the idea, Catholicism, Adventism? Are we just another ism, another option? Or do we have a life and death message for the world? And if we do, we better not be sitting on it. And we better not be telling people it really doesn't matter. Adventism is for Adventists. Methodism is for Methodists. Catholicism is for Catholics. But the truth, the message is for everybody. And so for me, I don't talk so much about Adventism this and Adventism that. I talk about the truth and the message that we have been entrusted with. Because that's for everybody. And what's that message? Revelation 14, 6 and 7 starting the three angels' message. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. It's an open message to anybody and everybody, saying, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Worship the creator. Worship on Sabbath. Accept that seal of God in your life. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. This false idea of worship. That great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image, it's about worship, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, knowing but what they do, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of Of God. And then verse 12 here is the patience of the saints. Here are those, and we see it again, who keep the commandments of God and of the faith of Jesus. That's our message. That is what God raised us up to give to the world. It may not be the most popular message or the most fun message to preach. It might even be a divisive message. Some people here can attest to that. I had a really good job. And I don't now. But God is calling us. He has raised us up to share this message. This is not supposed to be pleasant truth necessarily. It certainly can be. And in many respects it is. But God doesn't call it pleasant truth. It's present truth. Worship the creator, don't worship the beast, and keep the commandments in the faith of Jesus. Review and Herald says this, July 28, 1904, the most solemn truths ever entrusted to mortals, that's heavy language, folks, have been given to us to proclaim to the world. The proclamation of these truths is our work. The world is to be warned, and God's people are to be true to the trust committed to them. So am I saying that we need to put all of our money out on the interstate and say Sunday's the mark of the beast on the billboard? No. That's not going to help things. That's perhaps going to scorch the earth. But I do need to begin to know my neighbors, letting them know that I care about them, that I'm conscientious, that I love the Lord, that I have their best interest at heart. And through that relationship, the Holy Spirit will open doors. And I'll be able to share more and more and more. And even if I never get to share the part that I want to share, it's okay. Because maybe, just maybe, they know enough. When they see my car go to church on Sabbath, or Saturday morning, I should say. What are they doing on Saturday morning? And then when this issue of worship becomes a huge issue, just maybe they'll knock on my door and say, what does the Bible have to say about this seventh day Sabbath? Why do you do what you do? His work anyway, isn't it? But are we being true to the trust committed to us? Or do we just like to preach the the pleasant truth? The prosperity truth? Health and wealth truth? If I can read just a few slides from volume six of the testimonies, it says, Mysteries into which angels desire to look, which prophets and kings and righteous men desire to understand, the remnant church will carry in messages from God to the world. Do you see our privilege that we have been given and trusted with? The prophets prophesied these things and they longed to understand that which they foretold, but to them this privilege was not given. They longed to see what we see and to hear what we hear, but they could not While the angels hold four winds, we are to work with all our capabilities. We must bear our message without any delay. Human souls are hanging in the balance. There are souls ready to perish because of the 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 uh, theoretical errors which are prevailing and which are calculated to counterwork the gospel message. Who will now fully consecrate themselves to become laborers together with God? Do you hear almost the tears in her voice as she writes this? Church, when are you going to rise up? One soul is of more value to heaven than a whole world of property, houses, land, money. For the conversion of one soul, we should tax our resources to the other most. We're becoming so singularly focused on this world and what we're going to accomplish and where we're going to live and where we're going to retire and and we're supposed to plan. I I, I get that. But there's a bigger plan. And this is helping us to see there's a bigger plan. God's plan. So what am I to think of those in the church preaching a different message? You ever asked that question? It's in the Adventist Review. What is a mystic? Read that article this week. Oh, mystics are fine, they're good, everything, da-da-da-da-da, I don't think so. So what are you supposed to do with that? Another Adventist preacher says, the biggest challenge of the Adventist church? Irrelevance. I would agree in the simple fact that if we're not proclaiming the truth God has given us, we are irrelevant. We're just white noise. We're just another option, another ism. But if we are willing to be a true Seventh-day Adventist to give our message, our message is not becoming less relevant but more relevant every day. As you see, see things happening, as the world is wandering after the beast, as everybody's wondering what the Pope has to say on this issue and that issue, It's not becoming less relevant. In fact, when I read those last however many chapters of great controversy, every time I read them, I'm starting to, to get check marks next to certain things. That's happened. This has happened. That's happened. And it's right before our eyes. And the prophets and kings of old would have loved to see this time. what's on prime time? This is reported in Fulcrum 7. I'm not necessarily advocating for... Um, what they had to say on this topic, but the headline is Married Lesbian Couple Baptized in the Chico Seventh-day Adventist Church. I happen to know the individual who's the senior pastor at the Chico Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't show love to anybody and everybody. God loves that couple just as much as he loves you and me. But when we start baptizing sin versus calling it by its right name, Where's that going to lead? Isaiah eight twenty 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. We have come to a point in our denomination where we have some people that are on this side and some that are on that side. But you know what? That's... Part of fulfillment of prophecy as well, Acts 20, verse 30. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. We knew it was going to happen. Great controversy, 593. So closely will the counterfeit resemble the true that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except by the holy scriptures. If we don't know our Bibles, we will be duped. By their testimony, every statement and every miracle must be tested. Here's another one from Hebrews 12, 26 to 28. Yet once more I shake, not only the earth but also heaven. Now this, yet once more indicates the removal, or the shaking if you will, the removal of those things that are being shaken. As of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken do what? They remain. I believe our church is not preparing for a shaking we're going through the shaking Amen. and there'll be people that will be shaken out but God is concerned with those that will what remain therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear last day of events 180 i'm almost done i promise The shaking of God blows away multitudes like dry leaves. Isn't that sad? Multitudes. Soon God's people will be tested by fiery trials and the great proportion of those who now appear to be genuine and true will approve to be base metal. That ought to get our attention. That ought to get my attention. You know what's one of my favorite stories to hear? Somebody who's been in the church their entire life, they've heard the message their entire life, they can finish verses, and they've done it their entire life, but all of a sudden, uh, some doubt came along. Something challenged their thinking, and they said, you know what, what if this whole thing is a lie? What if it's all just made up? What if the Adventist church is brainwashing everybody? I'm going to study it out for myself. Amen. And they do. They just take the whole table, and they just take everything off, and we're only going to put stuff up there as I prove it to myself as I study God's word. And they start setting the table again. Piece after piece after piece after piece. I promise you that same person that's been a Seventh-day Adventist the whole time is a different person over here. And if we don't want to be base metal, we need to maybe just scrape some of those things off and say, you know, I've heard it, but I, I need to know it from here. I need to know it for myself. I need to study it out myself. Because if I'm just here because I've always been here, going to prove to be a problem. To stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us. There it is again, majority. To fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. Who likes to be in the minority? Anybody? At this time, we must gather warmth from their coldness, from the coldness of others, courage from their cowardice, and loyalty from their treason. And you've heard this one before, the church may appear as about to fall, but it does not fall. It remains, just like it says in Hebrews, it remains while the sinners in Zion will be sifted out, the chaff separated from the precious wheat. This is a terrible ordeal. I imagine Jesus is crying as he observes this. But nevertheless, it must take place. Ephesians 5 26 that he God might sanctify and cleanse her the church with the washing of water by the word that he might present to her uh, that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish That's what God's going to have. And by God's grace, I want to study out his word so I can be part of that church that upholds truth. It's not that I'm better than anybody else, but God's word is better than everyone else. So I want to say this. Don't be discouraged. The disheartening things happening in the church are themselves, I believe, a fulfillment of of prophecy. We can get all in the tizzy, and sometimes I do, and I have to take some deep breaths. Ah, we knew this was going to happen, but Lord, help me to be faithful. In the midst of these, uh, all these winds that are blowing, help me to be faithful to your word. Throughout the centuries, God has had men and women who have been faithful to him. Think about Noah and the ark. Talk about a minority. Talk about the children of Israel painting blood on the doorpost. This is baloney. I'm not going to do this. Talk about God leading his, his, his children all the way through in the desert and everything else to the promised land talk about the the beginning of the early church after Jesus comes, talking about the the dark ages, talking about the Waldenses. talking about all these truths being unearthed again, these pearls of truth, and gathered back together. And it's not a closed group. Jesus says, and the Spirit and the Bride say, come. If you want to be part of the truth, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. There's no shortage. It's yours and mine for the taking. So, why am I a Seventh day Adventist? Well, because truth matters, it's not relative. Secondly, because our message, I believe, is a safeguard to end-time deceptions. And lastly, because God has called the remnant church to preach the three angels' messages to the world. I want to be part of that group. I want to be found faithful. I want to feed on his word. I want to have a thirst for his word every day. So I can be in tune with him. So if he says, go visit your neighbor. Go take soup to this person. Go call them on the phone. Go visit them in the hospital. Go listen to them preach in a Sunday church. Show them that you're interested in who they are as a person. Show them love. Show them kindness. Show them generosity. But also allow them to see your own convictions and to be curious, and to ask, and then pray, Lord, help me know what to say. I believe we have a message that is second to none, not because of me or anybody else before me, but because of God's word, and he wants us to understand that message. Dear Heavenly Father, you have raised up a group of people to restore truth about you and who you are and your character, your love and your goodness and your faithfulness to us. But also you've given us insights as to what is coming. Lord, we want to be not only faithful to you, but faithful to the charge that you have given to us as your remnant church of Bible prophecy. Lord, we don't want to be arrogant, but we want to stand on the rock that cannot move and invite others to join us. In your name we pray, amen.